I'm Karen Dumaine, the professional lead for Duod. Before my co-lead, Paul Taylor-Pitt, left, we recorded this fabulous podcast series talking to world leaders and experts in OD. The Duod podcast is brought to you by NHS Employers in partnership with NHS England. I'm Karen Dumaine. And I'm Paul Taylor-Pitt. And we're delighted to host this new podcast series exploring OD as the world emerges from a pandemic. In this series, we'll talk about complexity and possibility, change and uncertainty. The voices you hear are experts in OD, each bringing their own unique perspectives to the challenges we face doing OD in the NHS. You'll hear advice on how we as OD practitioners can nudge our systems forward, be catalysts for change and amplify the humanity in our organisations. In episode one, Glenda Eon reminded us that complexity is a practice. Today, we're really happy to be joined by Sheena Cartwright to explore the practice of OD through the lens of Gestalt theory. In a time when there's too much going on, how do we take a step back to notice the patterns that stand out so we can calibrate our responses in the best way? Sheena talks about the power of intention and how we can use our presence to nudge systems forward, even if it means we don't get flowers at the end. So Gestalt, um, in in definition, kind of comes from the German word, which um, kind of, and the concept of holism. um, So sort of seeing things as a whole and kind of originates from a lot of the psychology around sort of the way in which we perceive things. But to kind of bring it to life, I guess the concepts that really sit at the heart are kind of firstly this concept of what they call figure and ground. So what is standing out um, versus what's in the background? And I think that's quite an interesting one when you think about the work that we all do, because there's always so much going on um, and the context is so important, but it's actually what are we noticing as the patterns Um, or the things or the individuals or the behaviours or the challenges or the opportunities that are really standing out against the background. Um, And I think, you know, that ability to be able to see those patterns and kind of notice that it sort of sits at the heart um, of Gestalt. And is that something that you have a natural ability for? Like, is that seeing patterns is something that I guess some people are very comfortable with and others may be new to it. Is that something that you can learn? I think you can get better at it. I mean, I think probably it is something I'm drawn to. I'm I'm quite a kind of person, have an ability to go kind of see big picture and then down into the detail. And that's something that I think I've always been able to do. But I think by in, in improving your awareness, being able to really be in a state of sort of scanning and both sort of external awareness and internal awareness. So that ability to really pay attention to actually how are my own feelings and emotions and kind of body sensations reflective of what I'm seeing outside. I think that's another thing that really sits at the heart of Gestalt is this whole concept of sensation and this sort of cycle of experience that I'll talk about, but being able to really tune into that and then think, okay, what's that telling me about what I'm seeing in the environment? And helping leaders and teams and organisations to be able to spot that patterns by raising their awareness, sort of lifting their heads up and being able to look around, I think is is really important. And yeah, I think we can all get better at it, actually. 
So what's the cycle of experience you mentioned? I know you said you're going to talk about it, maybe throw it in now and then yeah. Karen can ask some more detailed questions. Yeah, so the cycle of experience is really sits at the heart of, of Gestalt in that we kind of think about um, everything in terms of a cycle. So when I'm in a situation like now, um, I have a set of sensations. That's the what I'm hearing, it's what I'm seeing, it's what I'm feeling, it could be what I'm smelling, it could be what I'm tasting. Um, but it's all of the pieces of data that are kind of coming at me. Um, and the cycle of experience kind of really gets us to sit in that space of sensation um, and kind of really then move into kind of awareness of, okay, what is really going on at that moment? And how can I start making sense of that? I think, you know, one of the challenges I had in, earlier in my career was I would sort of leap ahead out of sensation, kind of straight into action. But the cycle of experience gets us to sit there and think, okay, how do I start making sense of this? What are the patterns that I'm noticing? What is the figure that's forming? What, what What's standing out in this situation? And then move through to think, okay, so what is my energy moving towards? So if I'm with a team and I'm t paying attention to lots of data that's coming at me, how do I start making sense of that data? How do I start maybe organizing it into, is there a pattern of behavior that I'm seeing? Are the particular individuals speaking or not speaking? Um, what else is going on? And then to start thinking, okay, what could be something that I could do? And then making a choice with very clear intention um, around how I mobilize that energy into an action, which is sort of moving through the cycle to actually make contact and I think this concept of contact is quite key in Gestalt and that is the moment at which a change occurs so that's the moment at which I might say something or do something or ask a question or make a statement um, and that is then making contact with others which then um, has left that situation different and then a really important part is then the my withdrawal and kind of closure off of that cycle and closure is something and that is really important in Gestalt is that being able to ensure that the whole cycle is moved through before a new cycle is started which is challenging because we probably have lots of different cycles of experience going on at the same time um, but I think that intentionality is is really at the heart of it as well. I was just wondering, I was noticing for myself, like, where was I in that mm. cycle as you were speaking? So I was sensing a curiosity about it. And I was mm -hmm. also, you know, I was hearing your voice very clearly in my head. And I was mm -hmm. imagining working with a team. And yeah, I, it, the way you describe it is very clear in terms of how that could be applied. Mm -hmm. It's great. Thank you. It was really lovely to hear you speak, Sheena, and talk to because I was very lucky and I did a Gestalt um, short programme with you and that was a while ago. And coming today, I really thought, how have I embedded some of the Gestalt mm. work in my practice? And it's really um, good to hear that cycle of experience. And then for me, and I took away, I think what you were just saying is that unit of work. Mm. So when do we when do we close one another? And then I, I just wonder if you could say something about presence, because that was something else that I really picked up from that the Gestalt work. Another concept that sits really at the heart of Gestalt is about the very intentional use of presence and how can you bring a very compelling presence to all of the work that you do. Um, and so that needs you to know yourself well, to, to understand what kind of presence you have, but also to think about how you might calibrate that presence. So you need to be kind of interesting enough 
to have an impact sort of different enough from what else is in that team or within that individual or that organization but not so kind of interesting or different that you get rejected and I think that's something that I have worked really hard at often to bring what might be missing in a team in my presence so if a team lacks energy I might bring some energy but if a team has a lot of energy and maybe too much I might bring a more reflective presence into into that team Um, so I think that's that's something that you know, all of us use anyway. I mean, in OD, the use of self is so important. I guess it's just adding that layer of intentionality to the use of self, which for me is what presence is. What really has drawn you to Gestalt, OD, particularly? What was your journey into into that? What what really drew me in was when I was doing the NTL um, OD certificate programme back in, I think it's 2012, uh, on the there was a module around group process consulting sort of working with teams around what's the process going on and Mary Ann Rainey came and ran that session and I was so struck by the crispness the clarity and the intentionality of her interventions that she modeled for us and as she started just to describe things like the cycle of experience particularly this focus on closure I was so drawn to it it really made sense to me and I saw the way that she intervened and I thought oh I really want to be better at doing that Um, and so when I got the chance to do a short introductory program I think back in 2016 I kind of leapt at the chance Marianne was running it um, with uh, John and Kum who uh, you met as well Karen who's from Ghana Um, and uh, it was just such a transformational experience it made me think oh I want to get better at it and so then I was uh, lucky enough to then go on to do a year and a half long international gestalt program, the iGold program, which took me around the world, gave me experience in different contexts and with a really amazing group of other practitioners, both internal and external from, um, from many different countries. And I think to really kind of sharpen my practice, give me loads of different experiences, thinking about using it at different levels of system, um, it was truly transformational as an experience. And so, um, you know, I've carried on and now I'm part of the faculty of the introductory programme, which you did a couple of years ago, Karen. Um, you talked a bit about the impact with teams. I mean, can you talk a little bit about different levels of system where you think also Gestalt OD could have some impact? You might know that, I know you've done some work in the NHS that we're particularly now as we move towards integrated care systems, you know, looking at, at, at that level of system. And I wondered if you had any... Um, insights or experience that it could bring about that level of working I mean I've been able to use it at all at all levels of system but I think when I think about those sort of bigger systems where you're potentially bringing different teams together um, across a wider system I think there's something really important about helping raise awareness of like what is going on in the here and now and I think that's something that's really critical to Gestalt. It's very much about what's happening right now for you. You know, what are you aware of in this present moment? And I think often when we work with groups, there's so much history, which is important. We shouldn't, you know, history is important, but we we sometimes forget that and we're either operating all in the past or all in the future. So it's about grounding groups in what's going on for you right now. Um, and then I think it's also another experience I've had, I think it's really useful is about being really curious about resistance. I think one of the defining things about Gestalt is the view on resistance as seeing it as a kind of source of energy. 
and as something to lean into. And so when you're working with groups who maybe, you know, have to come together to work together, there may be resistance um, about, you know, working in a different way or coming together. And so, you know, when I've worked with teams, I really encourage them to be curious and say, well, what might this resistance mean? And, you know, resistance can show up in lots of different ways. It can be, I don't want to engage. It can be asking lots and lots of questions and getting into detail. It can be, you know, very obvious sort of saying no. It can be all kinds of other things. But I think helping people to be genuinely curious about, oh, okay, that's in- isn't that interesting? What, what might that tell us? And, and if you can encourage teams and individuals in those teams to try and see things from another perspective and sort of... Sp- trying to you know lean in to that contact boundary to that point where they connect with the other team I think that's where you know gestalt can be really really beneficial I've got so many questions so many questions I love it Sheena because it's so interesting so I I wrote a note that said complex is context which is complete sounds a bit Yoda like actually what I meant to write was our context is really complex Mm -hmm. yeah and so if Gestalt is an answer. Mm-hmm. What might be the question? Well, I think I think what you're saying there is in in such a complex environment, it's very easy to kind of get lost. But if you take that concept of figure ground, it's like what's standing out in that context, and how do you help people to see their own figures, which of course might be different. You know, my, my, the figure that I see when looking into a context of a particular team may be different from the figures that they see. But helping us to shape and name those figures, which I often do through metaphors or kind of getting people to maybe tell a story, um, uh, to sort of add richness to it, can be really helpful. So if we see that actually what's standing out in the context might be slightly different for each of us. Yeah, I think it really helps, actually. So something about in that complex space where where we have all these multiple priorities coming at us mm. and different tensions in the system mm. actually just helping people to say well what's standing out for me mm. is that different to you mm. let's talk about that 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 could be so helpful actually when people are i guess what we we sometimes pick up is people just feel very overwhelmed with the mm. the amount of change the pace of change mm. living in a <laughs> post during pre-pandemic world, wherever we are in that space, Mm. it just feels very difficult to get a hold of anything. I think the other thing I'd I'd come to talk about is the unit of work, which I think is really helpful. And the unit of work is really this whole concept of there's, you know, there's a beginning, there's a middle, and there's an end. And in Gestalt, we particularly pay attention to endings. And if you think about all of us operating in complex environments, we have so many plates spinning, things going on, demands on our time. But actually, the more of those that are open, the more energy is tied up in those things. And so it can be hard for us to see a way forward. And so one of the things that I do, whether working with individuals or groups or, or big systems, is think, what 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 can we close? How can we even maybe bracket something like, oh, there's a big issue there about a budget, but actually we're not going to be able to solve that today. But how can we put that to the side to actually focus on some other things and not let everything be kind of open at the same time? And I think, you know, on a personal level, I I found that really helpful of thinking, okay, I have lots of things to do, but, you know, just the simple things like writing them down, being clear on, okay, what's the email I need to send to at least bracket that for now? 
and then be able to focus on something else. And I think that whole concept of working through units of work, ensuring that we've closed them down with teams and with organisations before we open up lots of new ones can be really helpful and thinking in that way. Do you know, immediately I just had this image in my head of like a big industrial kitchen and lots of pans boiling over. Mm. And just as you said that about what can we close, what can we put aside, I thought, yeah, there's there's probably things that we can take off the heat yeah, yeah, and, and just let the them cool down. And yeah, maybe yeah. sometimes we can turn something down so it's kind mm. of simmering and not boiling. But it's just having that that ability to notice that and to go, oh, look, they're all bubbling over. Do they really need to be? And is there something sitting over there that's waiting to be cooked that we're ignoring? Also, do you think it's about that clarity of purpose? Because that's something I so Mm. took away from um, all the Gestalt people that I have worked with and from the programme I did about being really clear in that unit of work what the intent Mm. is and that clarity. And I know that's linked to presence, but I was just thinking in that kitchen, you know, being really clear as well to the other people that are working in that kitchen and mm, and yeah. the role of the intervener. Yeah, um, well, I think that's so important. And actually, I'm, I'm, that, I'm loving that that sort of metaphor of the kitchen, the pan, because we, we talk as a gestalt intervener about kind of get in, get out. And mm. so imagine I might kind of come in and say, oh, I noticed there's lots of pots boiling. And then I get out and then you <laughs> yeah. leave the choice to you to say, oh, yeah. which ones are you going to take off? Or, you know, oh, it's steamy in here, isn't it? And then get you to think about why might it be steamy? Ah, lots boiling over. So I think that clarity of intention. So my intention there would be I need to help Paul to see that there's lots of lots of things going on at the same time. But instead of saying saying that, I might say just make an observation about what I'm noticing or what I'm experiencing. It's hot in here. And do you think that plays, you know, do you know the perceived weirdness index, which took me a while to really yeah. get my head around? And I know it, we've heard um, that being mentioned, you know, through mm. the OD world, it's come up before for the NHS. But could is that around that knowing when you intervene, having a clarity of what your role is, and so you've got credibility Could you explain a little bit more about that? Because I know some people would have heard of that term and it would be really interesting to see how it plays out through the Gestalt work. The Perceived Weirdness Index is really, you know, how do you calibrate yourself with a client to be, you know, sufficiently interesting to be kind of heard or paid attention to, but not so kind of different that you get rejected? And I think it's that intentional calibration. So if I'm working with a team and they don't know me that well, well, the level of provocation I might give them might, you know, maybe less. But as I might know a team well, I might become more provocative with them. Um, And so it's about thinking about what's the impact I want to have. Because if I come in and and say something very provocative, and I might be rejected, it might be like, no, go away, Sheena, we, you know, that's too hard for us. But actually, if I have already built up some kind of level of weirdness by just nudging each time, then coming out with something really provocative might be really helpful for the team. So it's always thinking in any situation, okay, what am I aware of? What's my kind of hunch about what's going on? And therefore, what do I want to do? And how do I get clear about that before I act? And I know historically, you know, I would probably act and then think about why I've done what I've done later. And I try really hard now to think about, okay, what am I trying to do? What's my intention with this intervention? And what would happen if I didn't do anything at this point? And what are my different options? And which one seems to be standing out as the best one for me right now? 
It's like thinking in the moment, isn't it, mm. as well, being able to do that real reflexive practice. Mm. And, and as you were talking, I was thinking about, because I know you've worked internally mm-hmm. um, for some large uh, different sector organisations mm-hmm. and now you're doing some external work. And I was just thinking about what, what your thoughts are about that, you know, that perceived weirdness mm. index for internal practitioners and external, because I think internal ODE practitioners for the NHS, you know, it obviously have a different set of um, things that we're working with in terms of, you know, power and teams that we're working with. And I don't know if you've got any insights from you because you've worked across different sectors. Yeah, I think that's so interesting. I, I think it's really challenging to be internal. And, and you know, I think sometimes how weird you can be is is probably more limited or at least it could feel more limited because of things like power and you know actually I'm in the system so I need to protect myself um, but I would really encourage people to sort of think about okay how could I just dial that up a little bit you know what's the if I'm clear about my intention and why I'm doing this and what I hope to achieve and and if you stay clear on that then I think it does enable us to be a little more different to the system um, but I would absolutely agree as an external, you know, I can come in and sometimes also feel that I get heard more. And I think, oh, and I can see internals and I often do work with internals as well and think, OK, how, how do I help them to be have, you know, dial up their compelling presence so they get really listened to and paid attention to and can add more value back into the system? Um, but, you know, I know in Vodafone when I was there delivering kind of, you know, big change programs and leadership and team interventions there were times when you know I would say something and then I would feel an external would say it and they'd sort of be more be seen to have more gravitas but then there were probably times when because I understood the context better I could really put my intervention into that context so I think that's something to remember that you know you guys will know the context far better than anyone externally because you're in that context so in a context, Gina, where the the prevailing culture might be one of conformity and mm-hmm. compliance and completion of returns and statistics, where where that's rewarded, mm. why is being different important? I feel like I want you to say it and keep saying it until I really hear it. Yeah, because I think, you know, it's that sort of definition of madness, isn't it? If we keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And so I think sometimes actually our role is to nudge systems forward. And the scale of that nudge will very much depend on the context. Because, you know, if you try and nudge them far too far forward, I think you will be rejected. But if we really want to bring about change, then there has to be an element of bravery that we have as we go into this work. And it comes back to your intention. If you if your intention is clear, then actually that will shape what you do. And if you are prepared to sort of be on the edge, you know, real change occurs at the, the contact boundary when the, you are right on the edge with people, when you're right in the sort of top end of their kind of comfort and, you know, the top end of your sort of discomfort then actually I think that's when you can really shift things, when you, you're prepared to stand up and do something brave and bold. And I'm sure you guys have done that because I know you have, you know, in the work that you've done is, is to really be on the on the edge at that contact boundary in the systems you're in. We, yeah, we have. And I was just thinking around that, um, uh, that having to be brave, isn't it, and lean into that uncomfortableness mm. and, and just really take that 
that step forward. Um, hmm. And actually, it was a really good reminder about contact and boundaries. And when it was raising for me, I was kind of mulling over the the tension, I guess, maybe mm. the paradox of uh, OD. You know, one of the things that we've really noticed and encouraged is that OD is more successful when it's much more connected to strategy and mm. to the priorities of the board and with support mm. from senior leaders. And so I'm just wondering how we navigate being in a way very central to the organization, like being that trusted advisor or that kind of guide to some of our executive team and at the same time operating on the edge mm. and and how we how we manage both because it's it's never one or the other but mm. and yeah just curious about whether Gestalt would might whether Gestalt might bring some tips about how to straddle both. I think that there's, an, there's another interesting concept in Gestalt which might be helpful here, which is, um, I don't know if you've heard of the paradoxical theory of change, which kind of has the view that you can only really change when we can fully accept of what we are and where we are right now, rather than always looking to the future of what might be. And it comes back to that kind of what's really going on in the here and now. And I think a really critical role that we can play is helping particularly you know you talk about strategy I think some leaders can be very much sort of well this is where we're going but if you don't really understand the gap between where you're going and really where you are then you can't move but I think in raising awareness of actually where you are right now that in itself just that understanding of ah, oh, okay that's what's really going on will move you and so that's the kind of concept that sits there that I think can be really helpful for leaders to think if we truly understand what's happening and of course you know in a complex system you can never know everything but you know watchful attention and listening and being curious can can give us lots of clues and and we often have a role to help form that picture for leaders if we can help leaders to really understand that ah, okay that's what's going on then the system can move um, in the direction of the strategy but just focusing on the, the strategy itself, I don't think is enough. You have to be able to do both. I think that's a great sense of actually by helping people recognise where they are now, that will mm. that will automatically mm. move things forward. Yeah. And it was also, you said there about um, in a complex system, you can't know everything. Yeah. I think sometimes we we have a pressure on ourselves that we need to know everything and particularly for leaders who are you know people look to them for decisions and for direction um again within the the mindset of gestalt are there any uh is there any help that you can offer for those of us who sometimes struggle with that need to know stuff and be the one with the answers and come up with the solutions i i would say just encourage leaders to sit with curiosity so and, and be able to accept that you can't know everything but actually being curious will help you to hear and learn more and kind of staying in that awareness place rather than always making meaning so I think if you can kind of sit with okay what's really going on what's really going on and not quickly jump to okay and this means this and we must uh, you know address that but just to really allow the figures to form so you know in a in encouraging leaders to sit and wait for the the figure to come out of the background and then think, okay, what does that really look like? How can we, as we say, fatten that figure, make it really come alive? 
so that we can see, okay, I, I maybe don't know everything, but I can see some of the big things. And maybe this is the biggest thing that we need to look at now. I think that would be my encouragement is it be curious and encourage other leaders to be curious and stay in curiosity. And if they see resistance, lean in even more to that. I was laughing because as you were t- as you said awareness, I wrote down awareness, <laughs> and I thought that's just what Gestalt I think has really mm. enabled me and to think about more about mm. being aware in the moment and you know that revealing the system to itself, mm. whatever part of system mm. that might be, and then that I just made a really good link to them being able to move forward. Mm. Um, you know, so you know where you are now and awareness, because it's awareness of yourself, do you think, mm. as well, as much as, isn't it, of what the system is saying? Yeah, and I think, you know, that awareness of yourself is so important. I mean, only last week I had a situation where I was so uncomfortable about something, like so uncomfortable. I was like really making, you know, my tummy was tied in knots and I didn't pay enough attention to it. And actually, as the situation unfolded, I realized that actually that was telling me something that I should have paid attention to much earlier. And I think with leaders, they often kind of have a sort of feeling of, oh, something's not right, probably many things, you know, but what is that telling you? And how can you help people make sense of that, you know, when you have those feelings and really say that that's useful data, you know, I, I don't just have nerves about something, but that's telling me something that I need to pay attention to. You gave an example just now of an experience you had last week and I was just thinking about because of your experience you know just saying you've just come back from Holland and you're Mm -hmm. going to Germany and I was just wondering you know um, what was your um, experience of Gestalt applied differently across the world? I mean I think it it comes back to that perceived weirdness index of sort of how you have to calibrate yourself in different kind of contexts you know I'm I work with quite a few teams that are um, French and British and some that are French and German and you know there's all the stereotypes that go with those things but you have to kind of pay attention to that and you know so in a in a in a stereotypical French context I might be more kind of helping them to, to raise awareness of what's good in the system because you know generally you might have more of a deficit kind of culture um, and actually helping them pay attention to a different side of things can be helpful. But if I only ask positive questions, I might be rejected by, you know, a very kind of deficit-based culture. I think when you go further afield, you know, I know when I've worked in Asia, that often you can have, you know, th- there'll be a lot of less visible resistance. It's sometimes hard to, to sort of surface resistance in some, in some um, cultures. And therefore you have to really pay attention to very small cues and you have to really tune into that and kind of when everyone's just saying yes 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 you know I worked in the Philippines for a while where they were just such lovely lovely people and everyone was so warm and so friendly and yet they would sort of go along with everything you said so you had to sometimes sort of be quite provocative to really draw out a different response and then just pet you know just think even little cues of sort of resistance might be enough to say ah oh, there's something interesting there. tell me more about that you know what's that what's what's that about so i think that's you know again it goes back to the context you're in and how do you apply that and, and then you know the other part of your question is around you know have i seen gestalt applied differently and you know i mean there are different kind of schools of learning around gestalt you know i was i went through iGold. that's kind of one approach but i know there are lots of other kind of programs i think sitting at the heart of them are the same principles how they're applied might be slightly different um 
so I think you've got to find what works for you and think, how do these principles make sense for me? But just remember, you've always got to consider the context. You know, context is everything. And if you ignore that context, you know, that's when you can blunder in, get rejected by a system or just not deliver what your intention was because you haven't paid enough attention to what's actually going on. And just building on that, Sheena, what do you see as the relationship between maybe like a triad of resistance, acceptance and presence? Often as internal OD practitioners, we want to make a difference. We want to mm-hmm. get positive feedback. Mm. You know, we want to tell the people who pay for our work that it's all going really well. And yet if resistance is where there's some energy, how how could we use our presence differently to be more welcoming of that in a in a context that kind of almost demands acceptance? Which you know, I'm really taken straight back when you said the thing around acceptance to I remember something Mayan said to me once, Mayan Chung Judge, who I'm sure many of the listeners will know, who said, you know, you don't get given flowers for do- give- doing good OD work, um, which I think is so true sometimes that actually sometimes you have to stir things up a little bit. Um, and actually, I remember once a, a client saying, oh, they wanted to pay me on a kind of, you know, what was my approval rating at the end of a program? I was like, well, there's no way that's going to happen because th- they might not like what I do because if I actually do good work, it might actually cause a little bit of disturbance in the system. There's always, you know, when you work with the team, there's always a little bit of conflict and chaos you need to go through, I think, to get to the results you need. So I think it's about um, recognising that True acceptance is kind of the long-term piece and that actually you might need to go on a bit of a journey with a leader or a team or a a larger system Um, and actually to help work through that resistance. And actually when I get resistance from a client, like, you know, when I do something and they're like, we don't want to do that or that might be too much for me, I'd be really curious about, well, you know, tell me what's that about? You know, what what is it that concerns you or what is it, um, you know, you're fearful of or what could be the best thing that might happen if we did this? And I think often that resistance and opening up, what's that about? You know, what's what's behind your question there? Because often people might say, oh, oh, I'm, you know, that might take too long, don't you think? And you'd be like, oh, tell me more about what, what it is that about this that you think might take too long or what is too long? Um, and actually to try and un- understand what's really going on because I think there's all usually a statement behind a question or you know a a sort of bit of resistance. Do you think that Gestalt either as a mindset or a practice has helped you to navigate a pandemic? I think it's really helped me with my awareness and I think it's helped me I think one of the things that I feel I have got better at is being able to kind of be calm and quite present and in the early days of the pandemic, you know, back in 2020, when there was a sort of, I felt, a sense of panic, you know, I remember kind of having almost sort of catastrophizing moments about what was going to happen to, to the world. And I think being able to just calm and tune in to some of the simple thing, what was I aware of in my surroundings? I mean, I guess almost mindful practices, but to to stay in that place of calmness so that I could help the leaders that I work with who were experiencing the same sense of, you know, overwhelm. And I think so many people have that have and still have that sense of overwhelm. We've had to juggle so many different things, have changed context, so much pressure, lots of personal, you know, traumas and 
um, you know, challenging situations. And I think helping leaders to a think about managing those, you know, almost what can you close off? What can you close off to give yourself capacity? And how can you stay kind of calm and focused and aware of what is going on? I think it probably has helped me come through some of the ups and downs that I'm sure most of most people will have felt during this time. And when you look forward, mm-hmm. um, and also when you're looking in on the NHS and, mm-hmm. and you know, things are changing all the time, who knows where we'll be in a month or two months or six months. Um, do you have any wish from a Gestalt perspective that you could offer to our OD practitioners around how to navigate through this constant change? We all have to look look after ourselves so that we can look after other people. So that, that self-care and ability to stay in awareness and not be in overwhelm. So doing whatever you need to do to do that, I think, has to come first. And then helping stay the, the organisation stay in a position of curiosity, which is really challenging. You know, I'm not in in your context all the time as you are and the people listening to this are, but how do you stay in a place of curiosity and, you know, not jump to making meaning out of everything? I think that's one of the challenges. When you're under pressure, everything can have meaning and feel so loaded. And it's actually trying to think about, okay, I'm going to stay in curiosity and then I'm going to think about what are the big things that are emerging that actually need my attention and which of those actually can I play a role in and maybe which can't I and how do I, if I can't influence those in any shape or form, how can I find a way to kind of bracket those and push them to the side so they don't cause us total overwhelm? And I know that probably sounds like a lovely theoretical thing to do, but I think if you can do that, then you create the personal capacity to be able to bring a presence which can really have an impact in the organization and gina where can people go to find you or to find out more about gestalt od well there's lots of resources online um i mean there's um the igold international gestalt organization leadership development program if you look up um the iGold Centre, that, uh, that, that will give you some information about different programmes, including the Introduction to Gestalt programme that Karen mentioned that hopefully we're going to run in person next year. Um, but there are other organisations that run Gestalt programmes, Relational um, Change, which is um, the relation ROG programme that some people may have heard of. Um, there is also a Gestalt Centre um, in the UK, so that um, runs some programmes around um, Gestalt and organisations. And there's going to be a section on Gestalt in the um, new um, app that Mayan is developing in relation to some of the competencies in, o- in um, OD. And I've written a section around Gestalt. So uh, hopefully that will be coming out next year and uh, people will be able to read more about it there. But if you research, you know, Gestalt in organisations, there's some great resources online. Huge thanks to Sheena for this wonderful conversation. I was struck by the idea that sometimes when things get so complicated and there's so much going on, we can take a step back and look at what's standing out, what's coming to the foreground. I think for all of us who have such busy working lives and so many plates spinning, often it's hard to make sense of that. So I love Sheena's encouragement to just see what emerges. Yes, what a great conversation with Sheena. I loved her clarity and how well she explained Gestalt thinking and practice. 
It was a great reminder for me and I realised how much of Gestalt thinking has sharpened the core of my own OD practice, particularly working with intentionality and presence and clarity of purpose within our often complex context. I hope it really resonates for others too. Thanks so much for listening to this DuoD podcast. We'd love to know what you think. You can chat to us on Twitter at NHSE underline DuoD or email your thoughts to DuoD at NHSEmployers.org and Google NHS DuoD for all of the resources on our website. We look forward to welcoming you to our next episode.